Welcome to the Talking Servos podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Jones, joined today by Christy Peral, a principal software engineer working on serverless DevOps at Liberty Mutual Insurance, enabling over 5,000 developers across the company. On top of that, Christy is very involved in women in tech efforts at Liberty Mutual, as well as the larger tech community through nonprofit Women Who Code. Uh, Christy has a master's degree in electrical and computer engineering from Boston University, where she specialized in cloud computing, robotics, and data analytics. Uh, you can learn more about her independent study project focusing on cyber physical systems in her blog, which you can find in the episode details. So definitely look out for that, as well as uh, the details for all upcoming conferences that Christy will be appearing as, as a speaker. Um, so how are you doing today, Christy? Hey, Ryan. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, doing great. We had to reschedule last time because uh, here in Puerto Rico, I had lost power. Um, and uh, But we're back. We're, we're good to go. So I'm... <laughs> I'm all set. Um, It worked out. It worked out just fine. (laughs) Yeah, worked out great. So kind of going into the first topic, one of the first things that I, you know, out of just general curiosity, um, hearing people's backgrounds and how they got started in tech and how they eventually got to the place that they're in now, do you mind giving the audience a a little background, maybe a more detailed one than my intro about how you got started in tech and uh, serverless and uh, cloud computing and yeah, how did all this, you know, take place. Sure. Yeah. Um, So it's kind of funny because I feel like when I hear about people's tech journeys, like more and more, everybody says that they're from a non-traditional background. And I feel like I'm the one from a non-traditional background, even though I went to school for tech and came out because I just think everybody has such a unique story of how they like kind of ended up where they ended up. I guess kind of like way in the beginning, I originally thought I was going to be like an architect, like designing buildings architect, not like a software architect. And I did a program for like two weeks and was like, I cannot do this. I did not realize how much art was involved. I am way more technical than that. So I actually just tried out like a computer science class and some engineering courses when I was in high school. I was like, oh, this might be like a good fit for me. Ended up going to a super liberal arts college um, for a very technical computer engineering degree. So my background's kind of a, it's it's computer engineering. So it's a mix of like the hardware and the software. Um, so not fully traditional um, CS, but I did a lot of like robotics and um, worked on like an autonomous vehicle for a little bit. Uh, and then when I graduated, I kind of just went straight into Liberty. I found them at a conference, really loved the culture and the environment. And I interned with them uh, and I started out kind of in the space of like the Java Spring Boot world a little bit there. Um, working in one of our markets. And then uh, I kind of stumbled into the cloud and serverless space specifically. Um, I just ended up on a team where uh, my senior dev and tech lead just kind of were like, we're going to try out this cloud formation template thing. And, you know, we're starting to move to the cloud. So I think it's a great time to do it. Um, So I got my foot in the door a couple of years ago. I'd say this is about three or four years ago with cloud formation templates. And then, you know, we kind of had an opportunity to pivot into the serverless space. And we were kind of like, what's this all about? Um, So I've been working with the serverless group uh, in our department for about two years now, two and a half years uh, almost. Um, And I've just been really been enjoying it. So, I mean, we picked up things like CDK and the serverless application model. Uh, We're mostly an AWS shop, uh, but, you know, eventually we'll, we'll expand into some of the other groups and we have teams working in serverless framework and some of the other tools and tech. Um, But yeah, it's been great. I mean, I I was just lucky to be aligned with, I think the right folks and the right team and kind of ended up in this space and just have really enjoyed it and really love the the community and the people that are in it. No, that's, that's awesome. Um, Yeah. I got like a, 
some some cool notes from that. So uh, coming from yeah, like uh, doing robotics and also like autonomous vehicles. Um, how 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 interesting was that? I've never worked in that space. Um, did you yeah, enjoy learning about it? Yeah, I I loved it. So um, my senior design project in college, my undergrad year was was an autonomous vehicle. So I was the only computer engineer on that, the only one that really was beginning to code. We had an electrical person and then a whole bunch of mechanical people. Um, and we actually built like a small kind of golf carty size, I guess, uh, autonomous vehicle to navigate like a maze to a waypoint. Um, and we used uh, different sensors and things like that. Um, and we actually went from Rhode Island to Michigan and competed and um, were one of the first teams to qualify and everything. Uh, so it was really cool. It was an awesome experience. I kind of joke nowadays that that hardware is my guilty pleasure interest because um, I do still enjoy it. I like, you know, both the software piece and the hardware piece. Um, and when I decided to go back for my master's, uh, I knew I wanted to go back, but I was debating between like, do I want to go more of a business route? Do I want to go deeper into code? And I decided I kind of wanted to stick with my roots and still keep the hardware aspect kind of in play too, which led me to kind of working um, in some other uh some like IoT space, uh, which was actually kind of cool because I uh, my most recent project with them was an intersection between like cloud computing and also like that hardware piece. Um, and I had that opportunity to uh, work on that cyber physical system that uh, we were just talking about. Um, and it had like a Lambda function, but I was also building like a little mini robot with a Pi. Um, so it was kind of a cool like mesh of both sides um, that I got to see and experiment with and play with. No, that's so cool. Um, I actually have a question that came up. Is it like, I haven't worked much with hardware side, but I do feel this almost after only working in like a software space where everything is like digital and I can't tangibly touch it. I almost want to like, I have that aspiration of like, maybe I should like make furniture. Maybe I should do like some woodworking or something <laughs> like do you. Do you get like a, another, uh, like you, yeah, you said it's like uh, pleasurable to like work with hardware. Is that, would I, am I like kind of, touching on something that's like real, like a, there's a tangible side to hardware that maybe we don't get as much with the software side. Like, yeah, um, I mean, I like, definitely like that piece of it. Like, I, I think that it's really cool to be able to actually see, like, I mean, with, with that project in particular, you know, I was coding to move wheels um, on the robot. So it was cool to kind of just like click your Lambda function and then it runs and then you see it like actually happen in real life um, on your little robot thing. So um, that's like a really cool, like, satisfaction, I think. Um, and it's like a way easier way to test because it's either moving or it's not, whereas sometimes it's convoluted in code. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it, it also kind of uh, brings up another question, which is when it comes to teaching people about serverless, cloud computing, et cetera, do you think that that's like a better bridge, like more of a hardware Lambda with a robot or, or like a Alexa type of like mix um, than just purely looking at like a Lambda function to get people like more, um, yeah, I guess maybe inspired about the space? Yeah, it definitely could be. I mean, I feel like it definitely depends on the person and how they like to learn and some of the things they like to do. Uh, I do think that the support and the tools and things for serverless are, are more on the software end than they have like support for on the hardware end. You know, I think that if you're hardware, it's really hard to be completely serverless through and through. <laughs> But there are some tools that kind of make that easier. I mean, um, well, I use Lambda functions, but you also got to use like AWS IoT or Greengrass or something um, and use that like kind of pub sub model in that case. Um, 
So I think that it's harder, not that you can't, but it's harder to get a fully serverless application going with something that's got a hardware component, um, whereas it might be easier to start or easier to understand on just a fully software side. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, um, and then to like some of this, like how like uh, you got started with um, uh, Java after you got like into Liberty, um, then got into serverless. Um, sound like y'all three or four years ago, CloudFormation, um, and then now a lot of CDK and things like that. Um, I guess like question uh, around it is like what does uh, like a day to day look like for you at, at Liberty Mutual as like a principal software engineer uh, working with serverless and supporting. That's a lot of developers as well, like five thousand. Yeah, it is. It's it's huge. I mean, we're we're about five uh, fifty thousand people globally, um, and about five thousand of those sit in tech roles. Um, so we're we're spread. Uh, we're, our team's pretty small. We just got our fourth member. Um, so we're we're not a traditional two pizza team. Uh, we're definitely a little different. So we sit right in our our DevOps organization. Uh, and our kind of goal is to help embrace this idea of a serverless first initiative. Um, and what I mean when I say that is, you know, we're looking across uh, all solutions, but we want to embrace and try serverless first before going into other avenues. And then you kind of work your way down the stack in terms of, you know, maybe we'll we'll try some serverless components, but we'll be on EC2 or, you know, maybe we'll kind of work, work our way down and, you know, at least try cloud first. Um, and then, you know, in, in some cases, we may be um, stuck with an on-prem solution. Um, but we kind of work with those teams. Uh, so my day-to-day is very dynamic. Um, it's very different, especially with such a small team. It tends to be, you know, our focus will shift and one quarter we're all hands on deck on something. And then the next quarter we're doing something completely different. Uh, so it is a mix of like coding um, and obviously like a lot of meetings and high level discussions and some consulting with some of our teams. Uh, so like, for example, the first quarter of this year, um, two of us on our team were completely loaned out to another team and just was in the code with them working day to day on a really high priority item uh, and trying to make it serverless and teaching them along the way. Uh, in some cases, it's building out patterns. Um, so there's this concept of golden paths kind of coined by the the Spotify engineers where it's just a kind of straightforward um, path ahead to to do something. Um, So we kind of use that concept and change them into patterns. Um, So we have patterns for CDK, for SAM, uh, for things that aren't serverless. uh, And we surface these through like a marketplace for our folks to go through um, and like a catalog of offerings to get started easily with these tools and these techs. Um, So we have a couple patterns that we have coded out and maintained. Um, so that's kind of part of our um, our team responsibilities. Uh, we also do some data collection. So we pull some stuff from the cloud. Um, we can see our like Lambda and API gateway configurations. Um, and then we share that data out with our engineers so that they're able to see, you know, where we're spending money, um, who's, you know, owning resources, you know, where there might be security concerns we have to address um, and those sorts of things. So kind of do a little bit of everything. It's just where the need is most um, and where the biggest priority is. No, that's that's super insightful. Um, and sounds uh, very, very interesting in terms of uh, like just how much stuff is going on. I, I did, I worked at Nike in the innovation engineering department doing serverless uh, really early on when they were starting to adopt it. and there was not as much, I guess, like moving parts because it was still very early on. It sounds like y'all are pretty mature in terms of how much stuff is is moving at once at one point. Um, something that jumped out was like, I think Golden Pass is like a great way to say it. It reminds me of, uh, I used to work with uh, someone named Gary Jennings who now works at AWS and he would say Happy Pass. And so that's kind of yep. like Golden Pass, Happy Pass, yeah. Um, and 
when it comes to the patterns and exposing those to the team, I like we have a patterns repository, a serverless guru with a whole bunch of serverless framework because that's the majority of what we do. And there's like, it's almost what we run into a lot is like people build the same pattern over and over again. And it's just like slightly different. So how, how do you, how do y'all handle like a complex problem like that, where different people are creating like an API gateway, REST API pattern, and then which one do we use? Right. Yeah. So before I get into that, I have to hit on the fact that you worked at Nike because one of my favorite books is actually Shoe Dog. So I will plug that because that is a fantastic book. If anybody wants to read something about like leadership and startup culture and yeah, bringing something up to date, I love that book. So you just reminded me, um, definitely check that out. Yeah. In terms of the pattern stuff though, you know, we're really similar, you know, exactly what you described. Like we have a catalog of offerings and, you know, my team likes to own like the really basic bare bones starter level patterns just to get kind of out of the box going. Uh, And then we let the community come in and they can contribute, you know, what they're seeing. And, you know, as you can imagine with 5,000 developers, uh, you mentioned, you know, we're fairly mature and serverless. That's true in a lot of areas, um, but not in every area. Um, There's little pockets that I've kind of coined as like serverless silos where there's a lot of serverless development going on, like way over here in this department and then way over there in that department. But then around it, there might not be as much serverless or even cloud development happening. Um, so that's kind of where these pattern repos come in. Like, you know, we're trying to get folks started with it. And um, some are contributing really advanced, really opinionated patterns. Um, some are just kind of looking for a place to get started. Uh, so I think kind of the direction that we tend to lean towards is, you know, it, we're central IT, so we're helping everyone. But in our markets, there's some opinionated um, folks and ways to do things. Um, so we kind of have like, you know, if you're in this market, maybe use this pattern because it was built by people that are also working in your market. And that's how you guys are running things. You know, but if you're over here, maybe the use case is, is pattern X over here. So try this out. Um, we do, we try not to gatekeep or anything like that. You know, we want folks to come in and feel comfortable and like confident contributing. Um, but there is a fine line to walk, right? So we have actually talked about, um, you know, we, we kind of verify some patterns, like have a process of making sure that they're secure. Um, we're starting to talk about maybe doing verifications for, um, if they're well architected or not, um, as kind of a way to go forward, but we do have like a rating system. So folks can go in there and, you know, give it one to five stars and it kind of floats those ones to the top. Uh, so we can kind of see, you know, what's most popular. Uh, you can see how many folks have downloaded and used the pattern. Uh, I think last I checked, our CDK starter had about a thousand um, uh, clones of it. So uh, you can kind of see what's really popular and, you know, where you might want to focus your time and energy on. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. So much stuff that uh, you just said, which I'm going to touch on probably individually. <laughs> Shoe dog. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, uh, that's so good. I grew up, yeah. Cause I, I lived in Portland for like six years and, and then, uh, you know, of course working at Nike and then kind of being close to it and then picking that book up and then reading it and being like, Oh wow. He was like 20. This is like talking about when he was 23 or 24 and like his experience and that journey and him taking a run and thinking about what is his life going to be. And, such a great Yeah, you book. probably knew I, some of the places he looked at. He was talking about yeah. like, the track he was doing <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that book's fantastic. So I highly recommend. Um, really good. Um, and then something that was coming up, I, I really like that idea of, uh, and I think that's important because I think a lot of people are thinking about how do they share these patterns and so on inside their organization. So the idea that you have maybe like one, like the bare bones or like almost like managed by that team 
that these are the managed ones by us that are like bare bones, like you said, and then a community side where like everybody can submit. And then that what immediately came to my head was like, okay, like how do you end up um, filtering those out? That sounds like the star system and download system and showing those metrics. That's that's awesome. Um, definitely going to think about how to how to integrate some of that stuff in with what we do as well. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then um, the verifying, of, yeah, verifying patterns. Um, super cool. There. I had a question around uh, adoption and existing system integration. So I feel like this is. As you said, like the way that y'all think about it is like serverless first, and then you go backwards from there. Is it like you have like the initial idea? It's yes, it's going to be a REST API, but then we have to integrate maybe with like a system, and then that might change how whether it's like on a container, or whether it's a virtual machine, or like how does how does that process? Have y'all hit like issues when you try to like integrate maybe some existing like Liberty mutual stuff into maybe like a serverless environment? Has that been a yeah sticky point? Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, you've hit on something like really well that that kind of meshes with this whole pattern concept. And you know, I, I think that that's part of the reason why we have a lot of these patterns out there because we have very specific ways of doing things. And you know, we want to be able to. We have to use our our CI CD tools, you know, our, our build deploy pipelines. You know, we have certain security checks that we need to pass. As you can imagine, at an insurance company, um, we have a lot of that personal data and information. Um, so we need to make sure we're being secure with that. Um, so we have to be really careful. Uh, and a lot of the things, you know, like. This is kind of the reason for creating those CDK like bare bones patterns. If you just do a CDK init, like you get an awesome thing out of the box, but you can't turn around and deploy that immediately to a Liberty Mutual pipeline because we have you know other things in place that we need to account for. Um, so we kind of take that on. You know that's what we did for our pattern is we took that CDK init and say, okay, well, what does everybody need to? inject from the pipeline and everything else in their pattern um, that they don't get from that CDK init out of the box. So we're basically just giving them a libertyized CDK init kind of out of the box. Um, so we're trying to manage that stuff up front with a lot of these pattern development is making sure that you can work with serverless in the Liberty Mutual ecosystem. Uh, and yes, you know, to your point, it definitely we can there are cases where you'll jump to a container maybe um, or that something can't be fully serverless because it's touching certain services here or there. Um, or, you know, we've been around for 109 years. You can imagine we have a lot of legacy code. Uh, when I was an intern, I was literally submitting tickets to decommission, patch, and upgrade servers. Um, like I can say in the last five years that I've worked here, we've closed at least one data center and we're working on another one right now. Um, so, you know, we're, we're making strides, but there's definitely still places where we have a lot of larger legacy systems that folks are maybe a little scared to touch um, or aren't going to go from that to directly into serverless um, and might be broken up into microservices and kind of slowly making their way there right now. Um, but again, as a four person team, <laughs> I don't have insight into every single um, group and team and project that's going on out there. So uh, I'm sure there's a mix of kind of very mature, you know, greenfield applications with serverless and um, some stuff that's still kind of on-prem or legacy or, you know, we're still keeping the lights on for. I, I love the way that was said there around like the CDK init and then comparing that to almost what y'all are saying, which is like CDK init plus the way that y'all yeah. do CICD, the way that you do security and so on and making sure that it fits into that. And I got to imagine that's like crazy time savings, right? Like and on a, a per developer basis. Did y'all ever do like an analysis of like how long it took to put in those like 
production things, like how the, the build pipeline will work in like a multi-stage way, if that's what y'all are doing in security and per developer and how long that would take. And then now if they use the CDK starter, they're like, they jump forward a couple hours or have y'all thought about that? Yeah, so uh, funny you say that. Um, actually, at reInvent this past year, um, one of our um, architects was on stage uh, at the CTO's keynote, um, had an eight-minute slot talking about this exact thing uh, and how much time savings our pattern is. Um, so kind of our, our claim to fame is that, you know, you can take an inter intern on day one, sit them down, give them the link to the pattern, and they can be out in production with the CDK app within an hour. Um which is awesome. Like, I mean, that that's huge time savings. Um, that really lowers the bar to entry. Uh, the flip side of that, though, and kind of the the things that we're dealing with now is that day two support, right? So, you know, after that hour, that intern turns and looks at you and says, well, that's great, but I don't know what the heck I just deployed or how do I access it? Or, you know, I, we put out a Lambda function, but I need an API gateway and a DynamoDB table and all these other things. And I've never touched CDK or SAM or CloudFormation. And like, I have no idea how, where those building blocks come from, how they work together, what security you need to use around them and those kinds of things. So that's a huge kind of education gap and something that, um, you know, my team is looking at filling that gap and making those pain points kind of easier and minimizing them as well. Um, and that's where some of that kind of education comes into play. No, that's really, that's really interesting. Um, and definitely speaking to Jonathan from our team, uh, when we're when we're putting this together, the show notes. Let's definitely link to this reinvent talk because that sounds uh, so just like on <laughs> oh, the point. you snuck that in there on me. Then you yeah. just pulled that over on me. You wanted me to bring it up. <laughs> no, I actually had no idea to be honest. I was just like, because I've always wondered because it's like that. It's like the math that like really is important, but like it's hard to do it. And so the the idea that you already did it will save definitely me some time of thinking through like how do I now explain the value of this pattern to like someone else and I can use Liberty Mutual as kind of an example of that. Um, yeah, so a awesome. case study. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then when it comes to the, I, I really like the way that you said the day one is like they can get it deployed, but then day two support, that's the tricky part. And 100% agree, like the, like we have patterns and you could take that, you can deploy that REST API with serverless framework, let's say. But then, like you said, how do you add a DynamoDB table to it? How do you, do they know how the repo is like structured and how to structure the services around infrastructure as code and like all those lower level details end up like popping up almost immediately. So do you think about that as like purely an education part or is there like a space for like education and then maybe some additional tooling similar to what y'all did with the patterns? Yeah, I definitely think it's a mix. You know, that's that's one of those uh, really controversial things in that fine line to walk, right? Is how much do you automate? How much do you abstract away from your developer? You know, how much do you kind of hide behind the curtain so that, you know, it makes their day to day easier. Um, but then you run into issues down the road with these questions, you know, they don't know how something's working. So how can they replicate it? Or, you know, how how much do they really understand it and are able to move forward with some things? So, you know, I, de I definitely think that there are some points with that. Um, so, for instance, like with our bare bones patterns, we actually use a tool called Cookie Cutter. Uh, to go through and you can dynamically, you know, we just ask our user questions, you know, do you want an S3 bucket? Do you want a Dynamo table? Um, do you want an API gateway? Um, all those things. So it's kind of just a drop down uh, and then they select it. And we have a, a process with cookie cutter that will dynamically generate this template or this CDK code for them. Uh, it comes out of the box and then they can see right there exactly what we had to generate for those kinds of things. So like, for instance, like, you know, the API gateway, that's going to come with all your authorization right there too. 
Um, so it is right there in front of you, in front of the developer, and you can see those security constraints. You know, maybe you need to use a KMS key or something and an encrypt decrypt process. So, you know, we're, we're hoping that we're still giving it to them a little bit, but we're giving it to them, but they see it, they can understand it, they can consume it, they can work with it, they can play with it, you know, that sort of thing. So there's some understanding there. And then, you know, it's just a process of kind of replication. You know, a lot of the applications that we have here tend to boil down to an API gateway, a storage solution of some sort, and some Lambda functions. Um, so once you have the pattern down, you know, you can kind of take that and run with it. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah, that's so, that's so, um, so interesting. Uh, yeah, and I like the way they said that there's drop down those questions, generate some stuff. And I bet there's also like a time saving analysis that y'all could do on on trying to train an intern, but without the pattern code generated to then show as a reference and then having to then create that yourself for the training. So it's almost like it it's the training material as well to then go right. like line by line through. That's that's awesome. Um, yep. Yeah. Thanks for letting me go down. Hopefully the all the viewers found that like interesting of us going down the yeah, pattern yeah, so. all. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I did want to talk about some other stuff on this episode as you know as we're getting through. Um, and one of the biggest ones is uh, your help in uh, uh, women in tech and CDK day talks at conferences and more of like that uh, that uh, outside of Liberty Mutual um, helping with things. So like, um, what could you mind giving like a background about like all the stuff that you're kind of involved with than you do um, outside of maybe just the principal software engineer side? Yeah, so uh, I'll preface it is a lot. <laughs> I've been doing a lot lately, definitely too. Um, so it, it is definitely a mix of like uh, diversity and inclusion and, and women in tech stuff. That's something that I've been really passionate about for a really long time. Um, so uh, I've actually put out an article kind of about my journey in that and where that started and um, some of the biases and things that I've seen over the last, you know, 10 or so years since I started in, in academics with tech. Um, and even then, you know, I started working with our Society of Women Engineers group um, and like our IEEE organization and things like that in college. And then it just kind of um, progressed into, into Liberty Mutuals and it just switched over to employee resource groups. And, you know, I was pretty quickly involved in our women in tech kind of internal group. Uh, and actually right now I head up our, um, we have a organization called LEGIT and it stands for Liberty Encouraging Girls in Technology, uh, where we focus on um, doing workshops and working one-on-one -on -one with uh, girls in STEM uh, in the K through 12 range. Uh, so pre-pandemic, we actually had a lot of partnerships with local schools and we were going in, you know, maybe once a month, once every other month and doing like hours of code with them. Um, so we've kind of since switched our model and I'm actually leading some of our um, branding and communications, working on kind of some marketing for it and getting more folks involved, uh, strengthening some partnerships um, and working on doing a mix of virtual and in-person kind of events and groups to continue working with girls. Uh, and then outside of that and outside of the company, I work with uh, the Women Who Code organization, which I know you mentioned at the, the beginning of the call, who have a uh, their global um, so they have a local chapter out here uh, in Boulder, Denver that I work with, and we do monthly webinars. Um, and we also have like a Python one and a cloud one um, and a mobile one. And so a whole bunch of different groups. So I'm in I'm in all those Slack groups. I'm a member of all those things. I was running some social media out here for a little bit as well. I do a lot of speaking with them. Um, and they actually have a conference coming up next week, um, Women Who Code Connect. Um, and I think it's Recharge. Um, but uh, they have some awesome stuff going on in that space as well. 
Uh, and then additionally, yeah, I'm a AWS serverless community builder, um, part of this past March cohort. Um, and I've been doing a, a lot of speaking around some of that. Um, and I've recently started up a serverless Denver uh, group. So we're finally getting back in person with some stuff. So I'm super excited about that. We actually have our first in-person meeting on Tuesday. Uh, where we'll be at Prost Brewing. Um, so casual meet and greet. Um, I'm super excited about getting this off the ground. There's a lot of a big tech presence in the Denver area. Uh, a lot of folks are getting involved with that. Um, so that's kind of been taking some of my time right now. Um, and then additionally, I just do a ton of speaking. Clearly, I love to talk. <laughs> so I've been going around to uh, some different groups. Uh, I was just at the AWS um, San Francisco Summit. I'm doing a dev chat there, um, and I've also spoken at Denver DevOps days recently um, and just came back from serverless in the park as part of Reactathon in San Francisco. So definitely love to do those things, love to chat. I'm very active on the t Twitter tech scene and LinkedIn and those kinds of things. So I'm a little all over the place, but, you know, like I said, I just I love this community. It feels very welcoming. I'm very passionate about diversity and, you know, getting more diverse panels together and you know, getting more folks kind of um, involved and, and the education side, I think is huge with that. I think that there's a huge education serverless cloud gap. I mean, I stumbled into it. We're not teaching it at schools. We're not teaching it at boot camps. Um, and I think that that's something that I've been focused on and been really passionate about is, you know, how do we get this exposure um, to more diverse groups? Um, and how do we kind of teach and show that this is a path and it's not just simply front end versus back end. Like there's all these other things in tech that are cool to check out and that you should be educated on. And, you know, um, so that's kind of a gap that I've been very focused on recently. Wow, yeah, that's uh, so much. I like to go that's a lot, that. yeah. That's a lot, oh my gosh, yeah. That's, um, that's I, like, I, I struggle with just trying to find a few meetups to like get involved with, but you're like, you're doing like so much, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, definitely called out a couple of things there. Like the if anyone's in Denver, check out SLS Denver coming up. Uh, and then also, I believe you said it was recharge. Yeah, it's a it's one of the uh, it's a woman who code connect conference. Um, they brand them each kind of differently in the spring and the fall. There's a couple throughout the year, but it's all virtual. It's next week. Uh, it's actually the same day as CDK Day too. So CDK Day, um, I'm on the organization committee for that as well. Um, and they're both on the 26th and they're both virtual. Um, CDK Day is completely free. We have three tracks this year, um, lots of awesome speakers. Um, that was a really difficult <laughs> choice to narrow down. We opened an extra track just to let more people speak. So excited about that too. So definitely get your tickets for those. Yeah, awesome. Um, and then we'll definitely, I, it may come out actually after these happen. So. But, you know, yeah, there's well, going to be additional meetups. Yeah. Check out the recordings, right? Check out the recordings. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, and I think that's something that's really interesting is the the serverless and cloud education gap that you mentioned with uh, college and also boot camps. Um, I came through a boot camp uh, in Portland. It was called uh, Epicodus. And I learned, like, Java development. And I was doing some outside stuff with, like, um, JavaScript and more Android as well. Uh, and then learned about serverless while I was there, luckily, because another student had a brother who was a cloud developer and then we got yep. AWS certifications and but that that that's a very rare obviously that type of connection thing that ends up taking like oh what's this and then you go down that rabbit hole so what what other ways are you uh like when you talked about the uh serverless cloud education gap are there like other strategies that maybe you could uh are there if you were going to give advice to uh like the audience and i guess also myself around like how to <laughs> get involved and and kind of help like uh, shorten or lower that gap 
Uh, what, what would you say? Yeah, so I think that there's a couple things, you know, um, I do think there needs to be kind of a, a larger shift in in academia and in these boot camps, because like you said, it's a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of diverse hires coming out of boot camps. But again, it's it's they're learning full stack application development or react, which is awesome. And a lot of folks really enjoy that. Um, but that's what I've noticed, you know, especially even being in this woman who code community, like, that's where everybody's coming from. And there's no education around cloud around serverless around those things. So I think that there is a larger piece of that, you know, kind of at play here that we as a larger tech community can work towards. Um, but I think, you know, even smaller scale, like, I was brought into serverless because I had a great team lead that turned around and said, Hey, I think you'd really like this. Come over here. You know, it's just, this, it's like the situation you just described too, is just, you know, using your network, like knowing people is huge. Like keep an eye out for folks that, you know, are ambitious or want to learn or maybe don't even know what they don't know yet. Um, and kind of pull them into stuff and explain things. Cause I think that there's a lot of great serverless tooling and education out there. But you have to go through that process of knowing what it is and reaching out and finding it yourself, whereas, you know, it's not readily available or in front of you or maybe part of your day to day. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, some organizations are really mature in the serverless space, but not a ton are. <laughs> so it might not be something that's part of, you know, intern or new hire or whatever training that happens at companies and stuff yet. So it's really something you need to seek out on your own, which is why it's a big deal to kind of, you know, encourage people to be vulnerable, to reach out. And I found the serverless community to be really welcoming and open. And, you know, I feel like an equal in the, in this community completely. Um, so that's another huge part of me kind of <laughs> sticking around it and, and being part of it and being excited to be part of it. So I think that, we just need to work on kind of reaching out to these folks and, you know, even on a small scale, if you can like pull people in, do mentoring at your company or on the side, you know, um, just explain what you do. And a lot of people just don't know what they don't know yet. Yeah. That's a great way to, to close that out. People don't know what they don't know. And that's, uh, that's like the, the common thing I think that we all struggle with in, in terms of like just general day-to-day -day programming and tech and, and architecture and so on. Um, I think uh, something that's really interesting there is that if anybody's listening, I think we've all, like, if we work in the serverless space, I'm sure you've, and you've just said the boot camps, there's a missing gap there. I'm sure everybody's thought at one point, oh, I should start like a boot camp for serverless, you know, or like teach that component of it. I've thought about that for a long time. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. If anybody's listening and you've got the energy and you're like, this, I, I want to do this, that, that's a, that sounds like a big missing area at the moment. And even if there are other people that are doing it, you know, there's a lot of, there's what thousands, tens of thousands of boot camps across the country teaching, teaching full stack. So there could be hundreds or thousands of also serverless boot camps. So, um, and, and cloud boot yeah. camps. Uh, and yeah. if you're going to do that, call me because, uh, <laughs> I definitely want in on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the hard to reach part is like definitely something I think even working with, uh, AWS and having to, uh, it's definitely a little bit easier now uh, in terms of like the understanding of the services that I've used for multiple years. But I remember back when I was just starting and trying to even understand any documentation from AWS is like reading like a almost like a like a hand radio manual or something. It sometimes yeah. feels like yeah, it's it's like so now I even look up either Medium articles directly or uh, now there's what's nice is there's starting to be a lot more Stack Overflow um, activity around like serverless and stuff too, uh, which is good to see. 
and then starting to see a lot more a lot more traction on like Twitter and training courses and people's blogs and so on that are starting to come out. And definitely the serverless conferences and webinars are exploding right now, which is great to see. So yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And don't even yeah. get me started on documentation because I'll talk another half hour about that because I'm very <laughs> passionate about all of that and how it needs to be clearer and better and work through things. But I, I completely agree with you. It's, it's very difficult sometimes to find exactly what you're looking for and examples. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could definitely write on that for a long time, too. It's like you open, I feel like I have to open like, five tabs or something, because I know the first tab is like, not going to be it'll it'll read like a really dense, like legal document. And then I'm like, that's not I just need to see like a <laughs> I need a code sample, yeah. you know? I know. I'm, I'm like, I got the white paper yeah. up with like the AWS docs, <laughs> yeah. with the Bodo docs, with the CDK construct. And I'm cross-referencing that with a stack overflow post that has one little example. So yeah, yeah, I get the pain there. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that you brought up the Bodo doc thing. Yeah, because I've definitely, because I've done some Python <laughs> there. Uh, and that's a good, I would say if you're learning a little bit, definitely don't, sometimes like the other language uh documentation for aws can also be like this like holy grail of information to understand <laughs> your language and that's yeah that's that's so funny you said that um yeah, yeah that's what, my exact experience um <laughs> and then there's one more question around this actually is like well, what are your thoughts on like learning in public um so like as people are starting to get started because you know we, we could say Maybe like you or I could make some training course or something around serverless and, you know, we're already kind of doing that with like speaking and so on. For people that are getting started, is there value for them to create content even though they're not like, you know, seniors in the space or something? Like what are your thoughts on, on that type of thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, being being vulnerable and, and kind of putting yourself out there and, and saying what you don't know is huge. I, I think in every single experience I've done this, someone else has come back to me and said, I'm glad you asked that because I had no idea either. Or like, you know, it's we kind of like have this this imposter syndrome and our egos get the better of us sometimes in some cases. Like I'm I'm pretty transparent. I'm not afraid to speak up and say I don't know something. I do it on my team all the time. And it leads to so much learning and just like questioning. I mean, I almost love like when I'm pairing with somebody or working with someone more junior and I mess up 10 times because it makes them feel whole bunch better and they're way more transparent about stuff to see me mess up um and i actually i made a point about this uh, too i have like a whole clean code talk that i do and there's a part on pull requests and code reviews and like i completely believe that you should co like comment things that are silly like comment check spell check and like hey i need a comment here and just like stupid stuff because then it builds up your confidence to get to that point where you are asking those bigger questions and you are contributing a ton of value um, because sometimes it takes those little, little things. Like, you know, when I was junior, I, again, I didn't know what I didn't know. So, you know, I didn't feel qualified to go through a code review, but it was a good way to kind of go through something line by line and learn myself and just, you know, I'm going to call out what I can call out and what I do know, get familiar with the process of it and putting yourself out there a little bit. And then, you know, there comes a day when you're just contributing more and more and more and there's a ton of value there. And I think there's a ton of learning that happens that way. Yeah, I really like the the way that was described. I've, I've struggled with that too. I remember going back to when I started Mikey and then we were doing our first type of pull, pull, review, uh, sorry, pull request reviews and then code reviews. And then I was sitting down and we had like a TV and like the chairs and they're like, okay, let's open up the code and like look at it. And it was my code. And I was like, ah, or it was someone else's code. And then I was required to say something about it. And I was like, ah, you know, like, I don't really know what to say. 
But I, yep. I definitely, anybody could probably say, oh, hey, that function doesn't have like a comment on it. And that's, yep. I think that's totally true. It's like, it's like those little things that like over time, like build up to the point where your confidence, like you said, is like much bigger. And then, and then you can be like, hey, I saw you had like a nested promise, you know, like, what do you think about like a single weight or something, you know, something like yeah, that. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, well, yeah, I love that. Love that. Yeah. And, and then somebody you said as well around like being vulnerable, imposter syndrome, you know, I think one thing that I have realized is that every time that I do something new, I have a whole nother level of imposter syndrome that like <laughs> yeah. comes in where I'm like, I'm like, okay, now, now I'm required to do this thing and like talk to like legal or something. And like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I just feel completely out of it. And then you get comfortable with that. And then you had another level of imposter syndrome. So I think that's also cool. like really valuable to share that like, everybody experiences it and it doesn't it like seems like it never goes away it's just like you get more right comfortable. It, well it's all yeah. about perspective too like tech is so big you can't possibly know everything like there's no way that's gonna happen i mean so so it's even funny like i'm like i i'm i would consider myself a several assessed expert in the space i'm in but you know there's still certain certain like if somebody shared something about like serverless Kafka, I've never touched that. Like, I, I can't tell you how to work with that. But like, I yeah. know a lot about all these other serverless. It, it's just what your day to day is in and stuff like you just got to be transparent about like, hey, I've actually never had the use case for that, or I've never touched it, or I haven't had the chance to get to it yet. So like, it's okay, I can call myself a serverless expert and not know every single serverless service or, you know, serverless framework. I haven't worked with a ton because we use AWS mostly at my company. So, you know, I can, turn around and say, I'd love to try it out, but I haven't yet. So I can't help you. Like it, I think it's just that transparency of, and just being okay with like, you don't have to know everything and nobody expects you to know everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I think there's like the, maybe like mentally we have such a higher standard than what other people's yep. standards of us are. And then we almost do it to ourselves, but yeah. And I completely agree. It's such a, it's a gigantic ocean of things and possible directions and like, I think it's actually a breath of fresh air when someone says they don't know something, uh, especially if you're trying to like, like, or they don't understand when you're trying to like help someone, you're like, Oh, thank you so much for saying that you don't. Cause like, like there's, it's very complex. That's so like when someone's like willing to be vulnerable on the opposite side and the mentee side, it does, it almost gives more energy for me to go into even more detail to make sure that they really understand what that is. Uh, and sometimes it can feel like uh, if, if that isn't vulnerability or vulnerable on like both sides on the mentee side too, it can feel like, uh, um, not like they don't care, but it's like, uh, uh, like, it, like what you're saying is like low priority or low value and that could be discouraging. So I would say like, you know, uh, for, for, for mentees, if there's like, uh, someone who's like helping and so on, you know, be, be honest about it. If that person takes it the wrong way, that's a, that's not a great person. I don't know. Like it's, well, it's and that's where, yeah. yeah. And that's where the power of your network comes into play too. Like, I feel like that, like, that's what it means to be a good mentor is not knowing everything, but knowing where to go for answers, you know, like, like yeah, I know you now, right? Like, Hey, somebody asked me about serverless framework. Well, I don't work with it, but I know Ryan does. So like Ryan might be a great resource for you. You know, like that's, what's powerful about having a network and being a strong mentor. It's not knowing everything. It's not being the best at everything. It's about knowing where to find the right answers. And I think that that's a big part of being an engineer or a developer. 100% agree. Yeah, and on that topic, CDK day, it's coming up. I don't know, hopefully watch the recordings. Like this is not out yet. <laughs> I wish we could just like snap our fingers and it's like all edited and like posted everywhere, but um, that's still, uh, we're getting faster every every time you iterate, we get a little bit faster. Yeah, it, so. exactly, exactly. Fail fast, yeah. right? <laughs> Fail fast. All right, well, I th- you know, we've, we've gone through a few things. I guess like open the floor up to you. 
are there any other topics that you kind of want to talk about or flag to or you have any thoughts that are going in your head like i really want to say that before the podcast ends i think we covered a lot i feel like i've been talking a ton so um i, I don't think i have anything else i think we we hit on hit on the big things for me okay yeah also that's that's great to hear um and the the final thing is also when it comes to like shouting stuff out do you want to give like one more shout out for things that are going on or you mentioned you had some talks or those on your youtube channel do you have like a blog have a personal website yeah 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 totally um so you know you can obviously find me i'm pretty on um, pretty active on twitter so kperal 95 um and also on linkedin i usually try to cross post stuff there i just got off a lot of speaking stuff so i do have uh, a couple things out there i'm actually working on putting together a blog post right now um kind of summarizing my conference experience and speaking in person again um, so I'll have some links out for that, but uh, I, I usually post on on DevTO, um, and I also have a, a Medium site where I tend to share uh, some of the more wider things that aren't super narrowed into tech, uh, like the women in tech and diversity kind of um, ones. So those are two great places to to check out too. And yeah, if you're in the Denver Boulder area, make sure you, you reach out, join the meetup, join Women Who Code. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's what I got coming up. Awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Well, it was great to have you on, Christy. Thank you so much uh, for being a guest today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was awesome. Awesome. Um, and to those listening, this has been the Talking Servos podcast uh, with Ryan Jones. If you like our show and want to learn more, uh, check us out on uh, Spotify or iTunes or Google Podcasts. We're pretty much everywhere now. Uh, we also post on our YouTube channel, um, Future Servos Hero. Uh, and of course, join us next time as we sit down with another fantastic guest.